So this morning is a special morning. I'm probably more excited about this morning than I have been of any other church service this year. We're breaking a bit with tradition this morning. And I'm excited for it. I really am. So if you were contemplating whether you were going to come this morning or not, and you came, well done. You picked a good Sunday. This morning, it is my absolute privilege to introduce my beautiful wife, Natalie, to you. And she's going to come and share the word with us this morning. It's the one time I get to have the say. I'm holding the mic. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Just kidding. Um, I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> this has been a long time coming. I've, I've seen Nat minister at, at ladies' ministry and the likes. And um, I've often said to her, I, I kind of believe she gives a better word than what I do. Um, I'm just being honest. Um, and I just commend Nats for, I can't look at her right now, um, for just the way that she honors God. Oh, man, it's about to happen. <laughs> look up, look up. All right. The way that she just honors God in every aspect of life. And I can say that because I'm her husband, so I see her on a bad day as well. Um, and that's the truth. The way that she loves me, the way she loves our little boy, and the way that she loves you guys. Uh, it's happening again. Uh, blows my mind. But um, yeah, just such an honor, such a privilege. Nats, love you. Thank you. It's... makes it a little bit easier when you get welcomed up here and it really is such a great honor and a privilege to just stand up here this morning and and share God's word with you um I don't think I cry nearly as much as Ramon <laughs> not up here anyway maybe at home on my bad days you know but um just this morning in the prayer meeting like I just it's an honor to come and serve you with the word this morning. And I just think of the worship team, how they served you this morning, just with the gift that they have and how our volunteer team just are here to serve. We had to serve each other this morning. But I think one of them, the main part of the service actually happened before I stood up. And that is when we just come and bring like a sweet smelling sacrifice to our king. And I just think um, when we come to church, we come to give, not always just to get. And so it, it is, um, I'm not trying to get out of this, I promise. But um, just the part that's happened already, I think that's the part that makes God's heart so glad. Um, so to dive straight into it. Oh, hang on. So I'm kind of familiar with this spot, but I normally look at really pretty faces when I'm standing up here. <laughs> So this does for a bit of a change, but I need to tell you that the ladies are always very kind to me. They participate. Okay, so need a little bit of that today. All right, so the last couple of weeks, we have been speaking about unwrapping Christmas. And you probably go, well, that's quite original. It is Christmas time. And... But the reason we've specifically gone into this is that for so many of us, we have missed the reason for the season. And you've heard that before, but I say it again. 
For so many of us, even us sitting here, even for myself, we have missed the reason for the season because the season has been decorated with all these extras. There's lights, there's decorations, there's tinsel, there's music, there's food, there's visiting, there's food, there's visiting, there's food, there's food, there's food. And eventually at the end of the season, all we are is full and fattened. And you know what? None of that is bad. None of that is bad. But we tend to not settle down and really, really focus in on that reason for the season. And even just all that stuff I've just spoken about has brought a lot of us to this statement. And it's statements I've heard a couple of you say to me over the last couple of weeks. And I've even heard myself say it. And this is that statement. I'm not doing Christmas this year. I'm not doing Christmas this year. And this is not an accusation to any one of us. It's, I speak it to myself. And I hope that by the end of today, I can help shift you and move you past that statement and that we will always, always, always choose to do Christmas, not even only on Christmas, but every single day of our lives because there is something there that is so worth celebrating. Ramon spoke the first week about uh, Joseph, and so we've taken the historical accounts of Christmas and all the different characters involved and, and brought it across to you in a way that we can relate to these characters. And Ramon spoke about Joseph, and last week Vanna spoke about the shepherds, and I'm not even going to summarize any of that for you. You can go onto our podcast and, and listen to the sermons there. But this week I've been given the task of looking at the Christmas story from the perspective of the three wise men, also known as the Magi, also known as the Kings, and we don't even know if there were three of them. We know they gave three gifts, but we don't even know if there were three of them. And so I heard the story of a Sunday school teacher. She was teaching her class of five-year-olds, and she had just told them the story of Christmas, and she thought, you know what? Let me check if they understand what I've been telling them. So I'm going to do this with you guys just now as well. So she says to them, what is another name for the three wise men? And this enthusiastic little five-year-old boy is bouncing up and down, bouncing up and down. He says, teacher, 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 I know, I know, I know. She says, what is it, Johnny? He says, they're called the maggots. She says, no, 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 no. They're not called the maggots. You mean the magi. And he's like, oh, yeah. She said, and didn't they bring gifts? And he said, yeah. He says, I know what they brought. I know what they brought. She said, what, Johnny? What did they bring? And he said, they brought gold, Frankensteins, and Smurfs. <laughs> so I hope you're not nearly as confused about Christmas as this little guy was. But I'm going to help to unpack that for you. So... This, the, the historical accounts of the wise men is given in Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. And I'm going to read you the whole portion of Scripture, only because there are key details here that we overlook that really are very significant. So reading from Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars at rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. 
He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Not true. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. A portion that we're quite familiar with, you've seen it acted out in all the Christmas plays. They've got their crowns on their heads and they're following the star. But I want to color in the story for you a little bit just to really understand some significant points. So these men from the East, they were non-Jewish men, all right? So they didn't quite understand it was a Jewish king that was being, being born. So they were non-Jewish men and they were coming from the East and that would be Iraq or Iran or Saudi Arabia area today. And the reason I tell you that is because I wanna show you distances. Okay, they were wise men, they were skilled in philosophy, they were skilled in astrology, um, they were very learned men, and so obviously being skilled in astrology, they understood the stars, and they knew that a new star represented the birth of a new king. And so when they saw the star rise, they knew they needed to take a journey, and that they needed to take a journey to go and find this newborn king. And so they pack up and off they go, and they follow this star. Probably, well, not probably, I know, over a thousand kilometers from, they were, they were from uh, Jerusalem. Can you imagine what that would take on, on foot? They arrive in Jerusalem, and they meet up with King Herod. And they say to him, as you heard, as we read, where is this newborn king of the Jews? And when King Herod hears this, he's, he's less than thrilled because a new king meant a threat to his kingship. They don't stop in Jerusalem. They carry on following the star. They continue on their journey and they land up in Bethlehem and the star settles over a location in Bethlehem. And you would have heard it said a house and not a manger. And there is a possibility that it was almost two years after the birth of Jesus that they arrived. That's not the conversation today, but it was an interesting fact for me to, to see. So they arrive in Bethlehem where the star stops. And I want to take you back to verse 9 and just read that portion of Scripture again. The star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they couldn't do anything else but bow down and worship him. And that's the place I want to really draw your attention to today. 
They were non-Jewish, no New Testament. They didn't know about this Jesus. They didn't follow the practices of the Jewish people. And yet the first thing they did when they came into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was to bow down and worship him. Now you hear that word worship and some of you might be going, I don't like to sing. Is that the slow song at church? The worship. I don't like to raise my hands. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Worship is so much more than that. Worship, there's a song. It says, worship is more than a song. Worship actually comes from from a word that means work. That no matter what we do as we work, our work should be worship. We are wired, created for worship. Worship is to, to give worth to to give worth to. So there are many things that are worship, but we were created to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians where it says, no matter what we do, whether we eat, whether we drink, we should do all for the glory of God. And so I'm just trying to paint a picture right now of going, worship is what we were fundamentally created to do. And that no matter what we do, it can be worship. Because whatever we do, we are meant to do for the glory of God. And so we are going to journey with these wise men because they were on a journey of worship. We, we think they landed up at the bedside or where Mary was with baby Jesus, and then they bowed down and worshiped. But I want to show you that their journey from when they saw they were first presented with the idea that a new king had been born, that they started this journey of worship and how that can relate to our lives. And so when this star rose in the east and they decided to follow the star to go and find this new king, they had to count the cost. Think about it. They had no idea how long they were going to travel for. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know if they were going to be attacked along the way, what trials they were going to face along the way. They knew nothing, and yet they went. And Jesus even speaks about this, because our our lives as disciples of Jesus are exactly the same. In Luke 14, verse 26 to 29, in verse 26, he's saying, if you want to be my disciple, you need to take up your cross. You need to lay down your life. You need to come and follow me. Then he continues to say, but don't begin this walk until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They counted the cost. They didn't know when they would get home. They didn't know what they would face along the way. Have you counted the cost of a life of following Jesus? Have you counted the cost of a life of worship, not a life of singing, a life that no matter what we do, whether we eat, whether we drink, that we do all for the glory of God. They counted the cost. Have we counted that cost of worship? Another point in this journey of worship is that to search with all of them, 
We have to search with all of our hearts. Worship will involve searching, seeking, searching for Jesus with everything inside of us. You see, they were following the star and they were searching and they landed up at a king, but it was King Herod. And they, they spent a little bit of time there, but then they had to choose to continue their journey, to continue seeking, to go and find the king that they were meant to find, this newborn king of the Jews. In Jeremiah 29 verse 13, it says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Our journey of being a disciple of Jesus, our journey of worship will involve seeking with all of us. But he does promise that if we seek him with all our hearts, we will find him. You see, the, the wise men had an all-consuming desire and a drive to find this new king and honor him. Sometimes we find the first king and we think, job done. That was King Herod. And sometimes we need to continue pushing on and seeking so that we find the true king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So I want to ask you this morning, what lengths are you willing to go to find this Jesus and to worship this Jesus? When you have been seeking, will you continue seeking? Will you continue seeking? Will you continue seeking? Because we will not be disappointed. They did not know the details along the way, but they knew what the final destination was. And so do we. Our final destination is heaven if we have said yes and acknowledged who Jesus is. And you know what we're going to do for the rest of eternity? We're going to worship Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's just what the angels do all day, every day. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We were created for worship. Third point I want to make this morning is, along this journey of worship, there will always be different responses. Different responses, and I want to break that up for you a little bit because... In this story, there was a response of apathy from someone. There was a response of self-interest from someone. And then there was a response of really just laying down self and worshiping. If we look at King Herod, as the wise men arrived, they announced that a new king had been born. So he was presented with the truth. And we read that he says to them, okay, go and find out where he is and come back and tell me so that I too may go and worship him. But we all know that that was not the truth because he actually went and instructed a group of people to go to Bethlehem and kill any boy that they found under the age of two. Why so extreme? Because his kingship, his identity, his... Everything of what he was was threatened because a new king had been born. The first response, he heard, he didn't respond with worship. He responded with self-preservation. He would murder for the opportunity to preserve who he was. Then another response, which was so interesting for me, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, okay, Jerusalem is 10 kilometers away from Bethlehem, all right? So they met Herod in Jerusalem, and Jesus had been born in Bethlehem. So these Jewish leaders 
who were the, the religious leaders of the day. They knew the prophecies. They knew that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. They knew what the signs were. But where do we find them? In Jerusalem. They hadn't responded to the signs that had been seen. They hadn't responded to the message that the wise men had brought about the birth of this King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Knowing everything, they don't move. And yet, the guys from the East, non-Jewish, non-believing, recognized the signs and traveled very far to come and worship. And the point I want to make with these Jewish leaders is that sometimes we find ourselves in that place where we have become so familiar with the truth that it ceases to move us to action. And I hope that statement hits you like it hit me. And like I say, it's no accusation. I just think sometimes we need to feel a little bit of heat under here just to move things a little bit. And I just think, I hope that especially this time, this Christmas, right now, today, that we will not be those who have become so familiar with the truth that it ceases to move us to action. And that as a result, we will miss taking that journey and coming into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There will always be different responses when it comes to the announcement of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I want to ask you this question. What will your response be to the news that he lives? And when you come into the presence of the king, will you self-preserve? Will you be apathetic? Or will you bow down and worship? Because that is what we were created to do. So we've looked at this journey of worship. We'll need to count the cost. We will need to search with all of our hearts, we'll, cho- we'll need to choose how we will respond. And the last point I want to give is that worship requires giving. And we're not going to take up any more of your money. Okay, I'm not talking about that kind of giving. Worship will require giving. Romans 12 verses 1 to 2 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable, acceptable because this is truly the way to worship him. That we give, we give him all of us. We present ourselves, meaning we give him all of our humanness. We give him all of our hearts. You know, we say, I gave my heart to Jesus. Well, what does that mean? You give the way you live your life over to him. You give him your emotions. You give him, you hand over your heart, your mind, your hands, your thoughts, your attitude. You give them to God and you say, you are in control. I am no longer in control. You are Lord. You are King of my life. And really, guys, when we say yes to following Jesus and we give Him our hearts and we give Him our lives, all this um, Christian language that we use, that is what we're doing. We're saying, I give up control. I acknowledge you as King and I allow you to have control of my life. And I even find myself in the place where We give him our lives and then we spend the rest of our Christian walk trying to take back bits and pieces of it. 
And I think the giving away needs to be every single day. Sometimes it's every single minute because that's what we tend to do. Before we know it, we, we, we're trying to grab hold of control again. And so if today we just need to make that decision again to say, Lord, I give you, I will show your worth by giving you all of me, not just bits and pieces, because the worth of something is shown by how much we're willing to give for it. But Lord, I choose to give all of me today to worship you because you are worth it. So we are all on this journey, like the wise men took this journey of worship. We are all on this journey and we're all in different places on this journey. And I just want to kind of bring this home a little bit because like Christmas, my journey of worship and my journey with God had been covered up with all the decorations, the tinsel and the ribbon and the balls and the wrapping, meaning the cares of life and sometimes the intricacies or the confusion in our Christian walk. And, so, and why I say this is that I found myself sitting down every morning just wanting to spend time with God and, and all I was going was, uh, I don't know if I must go this way. Must I? Mustn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? This way? That way? Lord, I can't hear you. Lord, I can't feel you. I don't even want to do this anymore. And I just, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, you are created fundamentally. Your purpose is to worship me. Will you turn your gaze? Will you simplify things down? Will you set your eyes on me? And will you start declaring who I am? Because your circumstances, they will change. Life changes, your emotions change, everything is changing, but God is unchanging. And if we can dedicate our lives to worshiping Him for who He is, we can never go wrong. And so I wrap this up specifically to just demonstrate that I've had to take a journey of, just even in my own life, where I know that I'm created for worship, shouldn't have tied this bow so tight, eh? <laughs> can just start unpacking it for me. And every morning I have to just take off those layers and go, I don't want, <laughs> that's why I have a husband. <laughs> and just to slowly unwrap, like we're talking about unwrapping Christmas, I have had to unwrap just my life with God and go, I take off the tinsel, I take off the decorative balls, I take off the ribbon, I take off the tape, I take off the paper because fundamentally, you can take one more layer off. At the base of all of it, no, 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 not that one, not that one. <laughs> so take a lot box, it didn't have a message in that, there's a word somewhere there, worship. That at the bottom of everything, we are created for worship. And I just think, even at this time of Christmas, when we are unwrapping, can we start unwrapping the layers that we've put over us, the, the, the Christian-y things that we've put over us, that God is going, I just created you for worship. Will you take these extras away and will you come to me and worship me for who I am? And so Maybe I found myself in the searching journey and then every morning I just had to go and I, I went into the Psalms and I, I took 
I just started declaring these things. Psalm 145 verse 2, I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. Psalm 146, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. O my soul, while I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. You can't but help start to change when you hear that coming out of your mouth instead of, but, what if, maybe not. And so I continue, I went into Psalm 147. I said, praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Psalm 148 verse 5, let every created thing give praise to the Lord for he issued this command and they came into being. Psalm 148 verse 13, let them all praise the name of the Lord for his name is great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. And so I have to do this every morning to to align myself with what I know that I was created to do, to align all my actions, to align my emotions, to align my thoughts with the fact that I was created for a life of worship. And I choose to let go of all these extra things I keep adding to me and turn my eyes to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I need to choose daily what my response will be to Him. Not self-preservation, not apathy, but a deep, deep desire to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you know what? I still very often, most often, almost every day, get it wrong. And I find myself having to come back to the drawing board and I feel disappointed that I'd still get caught up in all of it. And just last week, the Lord took me to Psalm 42, and it's in verse 5 and verse 11. And it says this, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again. I will praise Him again. I will praise Him again. And we just need to commit to getting up every morning, every hour, every minute to say, but I will praise him again because it's what we were created to do. So Duncan, you can come up with the team. So if we think about the wise men and the journey they took, this journey of worship that they took, along their journey, they drew closer to Jesus and came to the point that they gave what was precious to them for the chance to worship the King of Kings. And we are all on that journey, on a journey drawing closer to Jesus, given the opportunity every day to give away, to show Him His worth by the lives that we present before Him, that we give Him. And if the meaning of Christmas, like the meaning of our Christian walk, has been taken over by these decorative balls and tinsel decorations, and if Christmas, the presence and the busyness is all kind of gone and clouded what Christmas is really all about, then maybe today you need to start stripping a few things away so that we can truly just come to the point where we can really position ourselves to worship, to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that this should be our goal every day, not just at Christmas time. And that we would choose to do this.
day in and day out. And I just, I hope that the gravity of showing the story that these men did not know the king that they were going to seek out. They did not believe along those lines. They were not of that culture. They were, they were not Jewish. They were not waiting for this Messiah yet. They responded to the sign and they followed. They counted the cost. They went seeking. They responded correctly. And when they responded, they gave. And I just hope today that we can move ourselves from the place where we have become so accustomed with the truth that we are not those who cease to move. And so like I said at the beginning, I've heard this statement over and over this time of year, I'm not doing Christmas this year. I sincerely hope that maybe you may change your mind. And because of what you've been hearing over the last three weeks, that you may choose to really, really, really celebrate Christmas this year. That you might choose to really celebrate Christmas the day after Christmas and the day after that and every day because it signifies the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that's who we have chosen to follow, to give our lives for and to live these lives of worship. Can I pray? Father God, Lord, I thank you that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Lord, that you are not just a story, Lord, and that we don't just celebrate you once a year. Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. I thank you that it, it has the ability to penetrate our hearts and call us to action and call us to move and call us to change, but call us closer to you. And Lord, we are all in different places on this journey, Father God. We all stand in front of a different mountain. But I pray today, Father, that we just, we start to gaze up and gaze up and gaze up and gaze up and shift our focus and set it on this good news that Jesus was born. And that meant that there was a sacrifice needed for our sins that would draw us back to our Father. And that's what Jesus did for us. So that one day we can move into eternity and do what we were created to do. And that is to worship you. And so Lord, as we go into the season of Christmas, Lord, and as we unwrap things, Lord, let us unwrap our hearts that we might find ourselves on our knees worshiping you for who you are. I thank you for your word, Father God. Lord, and that it does, it does call us to action and whatever action we need to take today, Lord, I pray that we may move. That we may move those 10 kilometers, that we may move those thousand kilometers to come and find the greatest, greatest gift ever. Thank you for each life, each family represented here. Father God, that Christmas may become the most joyous time in homes and that they may carry that joy into every single day after Christmas. We thank you for this and we really commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.